Hello and welcome to our new series, A Month on Mission. Trevor is going to lead us in the first of this, A Heart for Missions. Enjoy. Good morning. I pray you're safe and well and ready to receive God's word. I wonder if you've ever looked at the world around you and considered how broken it is how much need there is around us. Even in our own very area, we see poverty, people with nowhere near enough to live on. Uh, We see people trapped in addiction, completely bound up in their addictive habits. We see people who disregard the law, either through necessity, through greed, or through the circumstances and the social Uh, society that they've been brought up in. We see prejudice at work with hatred and judgment and even unintentional words that hurt and scar other people. We see people living with less and less hope, maybe even to the point of hopelessness. That's just in our area. When we take a global look around and see the world in which we live in, we will see even more poverty, extreme poverty, people dying from starvation. We will see places around the world where people are persecuted for the faith that they hold, locked up, imprisoned, even executed. We see places where there's lack of education, where children grow up with insufficient education to equip them for the world ahead and to enable them to grow into people who can earn their own keep and make their way in the world. We look around and see there are places where there's lack of access to healthcare, just the basic necessities of healthcare not available to so many people. Parts of our world where even finding clean water is a struggle. And when you look at all these things and consider the brokenness, it's easy to stop and go, God, where are you? When are you going to do something about this? When is God going to intervene and do something about these problems in the world? And and if God's going to do it, who's he going to get to do it? Who will he send? I want you to know when you see these things, when you ponder these things, when our awareness is increased of these areas of brokenness, these things matter to Jesus. And so they should matter to us. We're in a new month and a new series, but we're in the same book as we continue through the book of Philippians. This month of August, we are wanting to think about mission. We want to take a look outside the church, outside of the virtual walls that surround us. And we want to connect our hearts to the world out there. I want to challenge you in this series that we would give generously and inspire us into action This week, and actually this month, I want to seriously, and without any uh, embarrassment or hesitation, challenge you. I want to challenge your perspective. I want to, today and through this series in August, help you to see yourself as a missionary. Someone who is called to care about mission, mission into these broken areas of our world. I want to challenge you to increase our giving to mission, to think about how we send into the mission field. And I want to get us to step into our own calling, to go as missionaries into the world. And so I want to warn you and give you fair warning to be prepared, to be prepared, because I believe God is speaking to us as a church. If you are part of the Oak Community Church, God is speaking to us. If you're visiting us today, you're not here by accident. If you're watching this video on YouTube or anywhere else, you are not watching it by accident. God is speaking. And as I have grown aware that God is speaking and is wanting to challenge us, I have had a, a, a kind of uncomfortableness in me. 
by my nature, I kind of like to please people. I like to draw people together. I don't really like to upset people. And so as I felt God speak and challenge and really push us out of our comfort zone into places where we might not have thought going and doing and being before, as I felt that, I felt this hesitation and I felt God say to me, literally I felt God say these words, son, embrace your inner prophet. Now, if you don't know what that means, the Bible was full of prophets. Prophets were those who would speak the word of God many times into a people group, into a society, a community, a nation, and would speak what God was saying, and most of the time it would be uncomfortable. Prophets weren't always popular. They were kind of weird and eccentric some of the time. They didn't go out there to make friends. They came out to be the voice of God. And so I want to embrace that and say, okay, God, if you're giving me something to say, I want to say it. And so I'm warning you, I want to challenge you and invite you to go further, to go further in this month, in this series, for us to go further. And I want to let you know as well, it's not about me just challenging you. God has been challenging me. God has been challenging me to shift my focus. The things that I put attention on, God is calling me to shift my focus, to shift our focus. And to really ask the question, what counts? What matters? And I'll talk more about the areas where God is challenging me through this sermon this morning. So, are you ready for God to challenge you? Are you ready? The great thing about online church is you get the choice to pause, go somewhere else, do something else, or you get to say, yes, God, I'm ready. Holy Spirit, speak to me. I want to just pause before I continue preaching and invite the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart this day and prompt us to bring to the surface what God is saying for you in your life and how this applies. So would you join with me in this moment and let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us at this very moment. And thank you that you are a speaking God. And Lord, as you are a speaking God, we want to be a listening people. And so each of us now, we invite you, Holy Spirit, have your way. Speak into our heart, speak into my heart. Let us go deeper with you, challenge us. Nurture us, shape us, mould us. Speak your words of life to us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. We're continuing in Philippians. We're still in chapter 2. We're in the last half of it. Let's hear... Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 to 30, as Roz reads that to us. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you're getting along. I've no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what's going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker and fellow soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. I'm sending him because he has been longing to see you and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I'm all the more anxious to send him back to you for I know you will be glad to see him and then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy and give him the honour that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. Thank you, Roz. As we reach this part in chapter two, we are turning our focus from theory into practice. We have had a chapter and a half 
full of exhortation of how to think. Just think back where we've gone over the last eight weeks and what has been spoken in this chapter and a half that proceeds today. We've heard in this passage about being confident in the work of Jesus, that he who began a good work, he's going to finish it within you. We've heard about being confident in the gospel, that the gospel is at work no matter who's being used, the word of God, the gospel brings new life. We've heard that we can be confident in our surrender to Jesus, whether we live or die, we win. And so to to live is Christ and to die is gain. We've heard about how we can be confident in the church of Jesus, that his body will be one and he will work through his body. We've heard about how we're called to give up our status, not to think more highly of ourselves, our attitude about ourselves. We've heard how we're to give up our way, that God is at work in us as we are at work in our salvation. And we've heard about giving up our words, replacing our words of grumbling and argument with words of life. And then lastly, last week you heard from Ivy about giving up our life to lay it down as Christ did. You know, I was so encouraged listening to Ivy last week because I knew where this sermon was going and Ivy set us up wonderfully for where we're going this week. If you missed last week or you need a reminder, just have a quick look at something Ivy said last week. We are called. We, have called, we are called to live this life. So we just have to just humble ourselves and look to Jesus' examples. And that's the only way we can do it willingly. That's wonderful. If you'd missed last week, I encourage you to go and watch it. We have to be humble ourselves and look to Jesus' example. And so Paul thinks about examples. He turns from theory to practice in this second half of chapter two. He's shifting us from our attitude to our actions from deciding to doing. And he starts to outline people, different people. They're not just names on a page, they're living examples. They're living examples of the previous eight weeks, the previous chapter and a half. These are living examples of people putting this into practice. I don't know if you're familiar with the different people who are mentioned. Firstly, this letter is written by Paul. Paul, an apostle, someone who used to be against the church, converted to Christ, and now involved in evangelism and planting churches. But in this letter, writing from prison, writing from prison to a people he loves dearly. He talks about Timothy. Timothy is partner. His son, he calls him. He's a partner in the gospel. And Timothy is soon to be sent to the Philippians. And he talks about how Timothy genuinely cares and and Timothy is willing to go and he's proved himself and he has served faithfully. That is this man that we hear about, Timothy. We also hear about someone you may have been less familiar with, a chap called Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is about to be sent. He's the one who will carry this letter to the Philippians. He will get this letter back to the Philippians. And Paul talks about Epaphroditus. He calls him his co-worker. He says he's a fellow warrior. He has seen hardship like Paul and he has soldiered on. He's a messenger, not just bringing this letter as a message, but a messenger in his life and through his words. And he's a helper. And we hear that Epaphroditus almost died. In his work for God, he was close to death. Also, the other people in this letter that we hear about are are by implication the Philippians. The Philippians are the people who are going to receive this letter. But they're also the ones who had sent Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus had been in the Philippian church. And Paul talks about the fact that they had sent Epaphroditus to him to help him. How they had cared for Paul so much that they would give Epaphroditus to help. They'd cared so much that they gave gifts. They supported him financially, not just this time, but many times before. So we've got Paul, we've got Timothy, we've got Epaphroditus, and we've got the Philippians. And there's another group who Paul just calls the others. A group of people who are believers who aren't interested. 
believers who aren't interested in this element of care and sharing and sending and going. They're just not interested. Paul is urging the Philippians not to be like the others. Paul is saying, in his own words, what one of the other apostles said, James. James says in James 1, chapter 2, don't just be listeners to God's word. You must do what it says. Don't just be listeners. Paul is looking and saying, there's these others. All they do is hear the word of God, but they don't care. They don't put it into practice. They're not doers of the word. And James says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. James goes on to say, otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And I want to tell you something this morning. If you hear lots of things this morning, but you take away one thing, it's this thing I want you to take away. When you are called by Jesus, you are called to what matters to him. If you hear many things this morning, but there is one thing I want you to take away. This one thing I want you to not forget, when you are called by Jesus, you are called to what matters to him. There isn't another way. These others that Paul talks about, he says that's not the way. The only way to live the Christian life, to be a follower of Jesus, is to not only follow Jesus, but to be called to the things that matter to Jesus. And so Paul shows us in this text three ways, three ways of doing this, three ways of putting this into practice, three ways of moving from our attitude to our action, three ways of moving from our decisions to our doing. And it, and it gives us a backdrop. I want to tell you where I'm going with this. He talks about three different types of things. He talks about those who care. There's a type of missionary who cares. There's a type of missionary who sends. And there's a type of missionary who goes. And Paul says, we're one of those three. We're not to be like the others. We're not to just hear the word of God and not put it into practice. But if we are called by Jesus, we are called to what matters to him. Let me show you these three types of people. Firstly, those who care. This passage that we've read is full of people caring for each other. Just think about what we've heard. Paul cares for the Philippians. He deeply cares for the Philippians, not just in his writing, but in wanting to send people to them, Epaphroditus. Timothy cares for their welfare as well. We read both these things in verses 20 and 21. And in verse 26, we read that Epaphroditus cares for the Philippians. And it talks about how the Philippians dearly miss Epaphroditus. They care for him, the one that they sent. For those of you who remember us sending Guy and Mary to Mozambique, we missed them. We cared for them. The fact that we missed them was a testament to the fact that we cared about them. And there is a calling away from ourselves, away from just being concerned about ourselves and to what matters to Jesus. Paul contrasts all the others. He talks about all these others who only care for themselves. He's not referring to unbelievers. He's not saying, hey, those in the world only care. He's saying, I've got believers around me who say they follow Jesus, but the only thing they care about is themselves. Paul's saying that's not the way it's meant to be. He is calling us to be moving from people who are only interested in ourselves to those who are interested in what matters to Jesus. And this was true then. Regrettably, it's still true today. Still true today. There is still too many Christians, far too many Christians, maybe even you when you listen to this, and you go, I really, bottom line is, I'm mainly just caring for myself. Paul was surrounded by Christians. Timothy, Epaphroditus, they were, the, they were the minority, the few. Paul said everybody else just cares for themselves. That's not the way to live. And the same calling is upon us today that says we are to shift from just caring for ourselves. You can be a believer and just care for yourself. But 
A follower of Jesus, someone who's called by Jesus, is called to what matters to him. So how do we know if we care? This is my challenge to you this morning, that we would deeply care for the things that matter to Jesus. But how do you know? How can you tell? What are the signs? Well, I want to tell you one of the biggest hallmarks, one of the most tangible signs that we truly care about what matters to Jesus. It's prayer. Prayer. Prayer moves the heart of God. But prayer, how we pray, what we pray about, whether we pray, reveals our heart. Let me ask you, what do you pray about? When you take time to pray, what are the things that you pray about? They reveal your heart. Do you pray? Do you take any time to pray? Or is it just a care for yourself? Do we turn to prayer first when things happen, when things that we care about bubble up to the surface? Do we turn to prayer first? And don't tell me you're worried if you've not spent time in prayer. When we're worried about something, when we say, I'm really worried about this, it's a prompt to turn to prayer. Our, our worries, our, the things that concern us, the things that matter, as believers are meant to be channeled into prayer. And God has promised to move through prayer. Listen to some of these scriptures, and there are so many I could just cite to you, but just listen to these. In 2 Chronicles, the word of God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, he says, I'll hear from heaven, I'll heal their land, if my people will pray. Jesus spoke in Mark chapter 9 when um, the disciples were struggling to, to deal with a spiritual problem of someone who was possessed and they couldn't deal with it. Jesus said, this type only comes out by prayer. Prayer is the only answer to seeing the breakthrough in this problem. The book of James tells us about Elijah. It says Elijah was a human just as we are, yet... When he prayed, rain appeared. The power of prayer. And what about this? Jeremiah 29, 11. A very well-known verse by many people. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And then verse 12 says, In those days, when you pray, I will listen. I think so often we want verse 11. We want the plans to prosper us, a future and a hope. And we don't want verse 12. And I want to challenge us to pray. When you pray, I will listen. And I want to really, really turn up the heat. I feel so challenged by God that as a church, we need to up our game in prayer. And it's not a new thing. It's what God has been saying for a while now. I don't know if you remember this thing. The church God is building. God spoke this to me a few years ago and we spoke about it at last year's um, uh, anniversary service. Let me read to you one of the pages of this booklet on what God is doing and how he is building our church. The church that God is building is a church with a heart and passion for prayer. A church that is a praying church, continuously submitting to God's will, waiting on his leading, preparing the ground through prayer. Through prayer, the church is built into the church God intends it to be. Hearts shaped and formed in the hours spent face down before God, led by the whispers of God and directed by his hand. The burden for the lost and the broken drives the people to their knees in heartfelt cries of love to the Father. We cannot be the church we are called to be without fervent prayer. Do you hear that? We cannot be. We will not be. We will never be the church that God has called us to be without 
fervent prayer. We've been doing an awful lot more online lately, inviting people to church and sharing bits from the, uh, from the church service. And many of you have put a click there on Facebook inviting someone to church. Let me tell you, as wonderful as social media sharing is, and I'm all up for it, none of it has any impact without prayer. The world that we want to impact around us, the problems in our world that I spoke about earlier, are not going to be impacted just with the things that we do. They are impacted with our prayers. And so God is calling us to pray more. Not just prayers for you, for your life. Not just prayers for our church, for our brothers and sisters in our church, for our friends. But prayers for mission, for the gospel for things nearby and things far away. This month, we're going to look at things nearby like food bank. We're going to look at things like far away like Mozambique. We're going to think of mission work to young people in universities and colleges. And we're going to think about outreach and mission to the persecuted church. These are the things that God is calling us to pray. Because when you are called by Jesus, you're called to what matters to him. And these things matter. Well, I said we we're going to be challenged this morning, and I, I'm, I suspect right now you might be feeling uncomfortable, uncomfortable about your prayer life, uncomfortable about what you pray about or how much you pray. Well, let me tell you, if you're feeling challenged, I am feeling challenged too. Not just about my prayer life, but like I said at the beginning, to reevaluate what counts. And what do we count? Let me just open up a little insight to you about church leadership right now under lockdown. There's a lot of talk amongst church leadership, pastors, leaders of churches amongst each other, about that little number in the corner of your screen that says how many people are viewing church right now. Or if you're watching on YouTube, how many watches has it had? How many likes? We're not in church anymore. We don't get to see how many people are in the building. We're going to see how enthusiastically people are worshipping. And so a lot of focus now goes on to numbers of viewers. How many people saw your live stream? How many people watched the video afterwards? How many clicks you got? And God said to me, those are the things that don't count. The things that count are how many people are gathering for prayer. How many people are gathering for prayer? That's the number that God said, I want you to count. Not viewers, not clicks, not likes. What counts is how many people are gathering for prayer. And I've got to be honest with you, right now, most Tuesdays when we gather for prayer, we get an average of four to seven people praying. Our church just got a lot smaller. When we pray after this service on the Zoom call, we get maybe a dozen. You're watching this video right now. You've continued to watch this video to enjoy this service because you want to, because you get something from it, because you're uplifted, because it feeds you, and that's great. But the difference between church and prayer is we go to church so often to receive, but we pray to give. We join to pray, to give something. And that is completely different. That is completely different. It's a turning of our hearts that's not about consumerism. It's not about receiving. It's not about, oh, it was my sort of service, or oh, I love the worship, or this fed me, or that preacher was great. It's not about me. It's about what do I give. And God's saying, that's what matters in the life of the Oak Community Church. We will die as a church and our mission will fail without praying together. You find any healthy church that is growing, any healthy church that is growing, and you will find a thriving prayer time where people gather to pray. It's what they call a leading indicator of growth. If you think about the very graphs that we're used to seeing now with COVID, there are two graphs that everyone looks at. How many infections? and how many people have died. And what we've discovered through COVID is when you start to see a peak of infections, there's every chance that later on you'll see a peak in loss of life. The peak of the infections tells you what's to come. 
The same thing happens in prayer. You will see a growth in prayer before you see a growth in church. It applies in your life, personally. It applies in church. And so I want to make this super practical. This month, in August, you have a challenge. The challenge I want to give you is that we all up our game in prayer. We have a Tuesday evening, once a week, 8 p.m. till 9.30, to gather for prayer. And my challenge to you is throughout the month of August to prioritise that time in your diary. To say that is the time that I pray. If you are watching this church live right now, it's because you have set a weekly rhythm that says Sunday morning, that's when I do church. If you're watching this online, it's because you're going, I'm going to spend some time watching this because I don't want to have missed church. I want to challenge you to say Tuesday evenings, that's when I gather with the church to pray. And right now, I wonder what excuses are starting to appear in your mind. I'm too busy. I don't like the Zoom thing. Prayer's not really my thing. I'm not really good at any praying out loud. All manner of things go through our mind. I want to tell you, this is important. It's 90 minutes, 90 minutes in a week that God is challenging us to give up. And you don't even have to pray. You don't even have to be on screen. We, we have people who come to our prayer meeting on Tuesday on Zoom, microphone off, camera off. Their presence says, hey, I'm praying with you. And they might put a prayer in the chat, but they have decided I'm gonna spend that time praying. And I want to challenge us, come on a Tuesday evening. If you can't do Zoom, it's beyond your technical abilities, get on the Facebook prayer group and post some prayers. Still take time in your own home. WhatsApp your prayers. I can set up a WhatsApp group where we can pray if you really want, or text me, or just do a blackout. You know, turn your telly off, turn your devices off. Take an hour and a half on Tuesday evenings. God is calling our church to prayer. That is how we care. That's how we become this first step of mission to care, not just for ourselves, not just for our church, but for the things of our world. And every week after the Sunday that we've heard about a particular area of mission, we're going to spend the Tuesday praying into that mission area. Now, my prayer is when August finishes that you will continue to pray on a Tuesday. God is challenging us to up our prayer. But if that wasn't enough, God is challenging further. He challenges us to be the second type of people that Paul talks about. Those who send. This passage is full of people who sent. You know, when you've been immersed in caring, when that care for the things of the world, the things of mission, when that starts to saturate into you, you start to graduate into being someone who wants to send. Paul wants to send Timothy. He not only cares for the Epaphroditus, uh, he not only cares for the Philippians, he cares enough that he wants to send Timothy. He's going to send Epaphroditus. Philippians cared so much about Paul that they sent Epaphroditus to him. There's this sending bit. And when you send, you take that which is precious to you and you give it to someone else. You lose out when you're doing the sending because you give away. You give away. Caring, it's just the entry level. This prayer life for the things of our world is just the entry level. It's where Christians are meant to start. And God calls us to be senders. Sending from us to them. When you send, we lack, we miss out and they gain. Think about it in our church. I'll pick on Guy and Mary again. Guy and Mary, a thriving part of our church, part of our leadership team, contributed greatly to the life of our church. When they were sent to Mozambique, we lost out. We missed them. Not only personal relationship-wise, we missed their abilities, their talents, their, their, their calling, their character, their contribution. We lost so they would gain. And we put our care and prayer into practice by sending, not just by sending people, as great as sending people is. The Philippians sent people and they sent money. Later in the book of Philippians, in chapter 4, verse 18, Paul talks about, at the moment I have all I need and more. 
I'm generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me and Epaphroditus. They're a sweet-smelling sacrifice that's acceptable and pleasing to God. Do you get the story here? Paul is in need and Epaphroditus gets sent from the Philippian church with gifts, with financial support, and comes and helps Paul. And Paul now wants to send Epaphroditus to them. And soon he's going to send Timothy. So I want to speak about this idea of sending and particularly about this idea of giving. Because God is challenging us again. God is calling us and calling you to give sacrificially. And again, I would say, this is not something new. This is the church that God is building. Let me read to you something else that you might have read before. The church that God is building is a church that is outrageously generous. A church that has learned that all we have is from God. We're stewards of whatever we have for his glory and honour. People given sacrificially and bountifully to see others blessed. A legacy left over for the next generation. God's unbounding love demonstrated and gratefulness to God expressed in acts of giving. The generosity of the church is an inspiration to other believers and a hallmark of our Christian faith. God is calling us to be a church that is outrageously generous. You know, some of you have given amazingly generously into our fellowship fund. The way that we use our John 3.16 fund to help others in need with washing machines and plane tickets and paying bills is an act of radical giving. And this month, our church is going to do something else radical and outrageous, something I haven't heard any other church do. You know, we want you to give in outrageous generosity. And I can't ask you to give in outrageous generosity if we as a church are not willing to. I have to tell you, I actually get quite uncomfortable talking about money. Actually, as in like asking people to give to the church. It's not a subject I find easy. It's not a subject I find comfortable. But this month in August, I am more comfortable than ever asking you to give. I'm asking you to give. Because this month, the Oak Community Church is going to give away all our income that we receive in August. Everything that people normally give in their tithes and offerings, in extras, any above and beyond you do, anything that you give to the Oak Community Church in August, we are not keeping a penny for ourselves. We're going to give it away. We're going to give it away to these four mission areas that we're focusing on in August. Can we afford to do it? Probably not. Will it hurt us financially? Yes, that's what happens when you send, when you give. You lose out and they gain. It's a sacrifice. You don't both win. I mean, you win in the joy of blessing of giving, but you don't win on the balance sheet. That's not what it's about. God has challenged me that we need to be a people who give individually, you and me, and we need to be a church that gives. And again, God has said, Trevor, shift your attention. Shift your attention. I don't know if you know, but during this season of online church, again, lots of churches and lots of church leaders are worried about income. Will people give to the church if they're not walking in the door and there's no offering bag going around? How will we sustain everything? That's where a lot of attention is in churches. Counting how much we get in the offering. And God has told me, we're not to be counting how much we get, but more importantly, to be counting how much we give. That's the measure of how we as a church are doing financially, how we get to give. And this month, we're going to give away everything that you give to the church in August. Outrageous generosity, radical giving. We want to bless mission work and we want to see a year on year growth of how we give away. You know, if you don't know, we're a church that believes in giving a tithe. 
That's what's 10% of her income. Me and Karen, we give her 10% of what our income is back to the church, which is kind of strange because the church pays us and then we give money back to the church, but we would far rather it that way. I mean, it would make so much more sense for tax reasons that the church just paid us less and we didn't give. But no, we want to give. We want to go through the act of giving, through the emotional aspect of choosing to give away because it honours God. And so we give. This church gives. This won't be the first time we've given away to mission work. It'll be the most we've ever done. And I want to challenge you to, to give. The Bible says that we should give regularly. We should give consistently. We should give sacrificially. And we should give willingly and joyfully. And each week through this series, you're going to have an opportunity to support that mission area. As in like a personal commitment, you might do a one-off gift uh, or you might do like an ongoing commitment. But everything you give to the church, we're going to give away to them anyway. So I want to challenge you to give generously. This attention from ourselves to what matters to Jesus. Because when we are called by Jesus, we're called to what matters to him. And let me tell you, amongst many things going on in our globe right now, God cares for Food Bank. He cares for the poor. He cares for the people in Mozambique, for those who live nowhere like you do and without the provisions that you have. He cares for our students, going away to university, being um, filled with all manner of temptations to drag them away from their Christian faith. And he cares so much for the persecuted church. For those who don't get to openly share their faith and be Christians, God cares. So throughout August and beyond, we are going to give. There's a third type of person that Paul brings out in this passage. We've spoken about those who care. We spoke about those who send. And lastly, he talks about those who go. Let me tell you and warn you, once you start caring... And once you start sending, it's only a matter of time before you start going. Start going to the places that matter to Jesus. As Jesus catches hold of your heart and you realise I'm called by Jesus, you realise you're called to what matters to him. Jesus said, therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Jesus spoke to his disciples in the 70 and said, I'm sending you out. You know the apostles? The, the apostles mean the sent ones. That's what they were, the sent ones. And God had to use persecution of the early church to get them to finally go. With that sort of impetus, with Jesus saying, therefore go, with him saying, I'm sending you out, with being called the sent ones, it's no surprise that Paul went Timothy went. Epaphroditus went. There was everything in me I was preparing this that I wanted to say, Paul was a goer. But that phrase has a different meaning in so many cultures. It certainly did when I was growing up. But Paul went, you know what I'm saying. These are people who go. And you are all called to be missionaries. You. You are called to be a missionary. You are called to be one of the sent ones. And I know there are some who are listening who know God has called them to go. Some of you watching this sermon, listening to this, know that God has stirred you to go. And that's not surprising. Because again, God has been speaking this to our church. Let me again read you the church that God is building. The church that God is building, a church that sends people on mission for God's purposes. The community is beyond the local streets and neighbours. It's the lives we touch, the places we work, the social networks we have and the world we live in. Everyone is on mission, some near and some far. Mission means more than just the conventional missionary. It's ministries that reach the broken, the rejected, the wounded and the minority. Seeking out those that are distant from the church and haven't heard the gospel. Building people up for mission, releasing them and sending them out to a lost world. A church that is focused on kingdom building, 
not empire building. This message today, this focus for the month is about building you up for mission. It's about releasing you. It's about sending you out. This month, as you hear about these things, your heart may be moved by one of these missions. Not just to send, to give or to send into those, but to go. And I want you to be conscious of the question, is God calling me to go? Most churches are obsessed with how many come to their church. God wants us to be obsessed with how many go from our church. Again, that's a shift in focus that God spoke to me about. That's what counts, son, he said. That's what counts. It's not about how many come to your church. It's about how many go from your church. I don't mean how many get the ump and leave. I mean how many go, get sent. That's what counts because everyone is on mission. Every one of you who follows Jesus are missionaries. You are called to be on mission. But I want to tell you, you need to own that. I can't proclaim you a missionary. You have to own that. And it's not, when I talk about how many do we send out, how many go from our church, I'm not just meaning the guys and Marys. I mean, they were our nice little trophy, Guy and Mary in Mozambique. They're back now. Who are we going to claim as our missionaries? Well, I believe God is raising people up and there'll be more that we will send to further afield. But I also want to point out that some of you are already missionaries. Some of you are. You need to own that identity. Some of you are called to care for children. It may be your own children. It may be others. But you are called to go into that mission field to care for children. Some of you are called to care for the sick. That's your mission field. You're called there. Some of you are called to help the oppressed and to bring justice. Some of you are called to feed the hungry. That is your mission field, your calling. Some of you are called to educate the deprived. Those who've missed out, you're called to help and mentor and train and educate them and nurture them. Some of you are called to befriend the elderly to be a friend to them. That's your mission field, that's your heart. And that's risen up in you because when you're called by Jesus, you're called to what matters to him and these things matter to him. You know, I wish that everyone saw themselves as on mission. It's how God sees you. But I recognize that we don't always own that identity. Sometimes it takes a while to realize it. Sometimes we push against it. Sometimes we run away from it. But sometimes we embrace it. And if you have embraced that, maybe you've always thought of it that way. Maybe it's not till today. You've realized, yeah, that's my mission field. Well, as a church, we, we want to do what this says. We, we want to build people up for mission. We want to release you into that. We want to send you out to a lost world. We don't want that just to be your private mission. We want you to be able to go with the backing of the church. We want to care for you, to cover you in prayer. We want to send you out to give you, uh, you, to, give you to your calling. What's the worst thing if you are called to a mission field and then we tie you up with internal church work when we're called to release you into your calling? And we want you to go with our blessing and with our prayer cover and with our spiritual cover so that you can be all that God has called you to be. And so I'm going to put a very simple, practical step in place. If you feel called as a missionary, maybe abroad, but maybe one of those things I spoke earlier, maybe something else where you go, that is what I'm made for right now. That is what God has called me to do. That is my mission field. Well, we're going to give you a little online form. It's a really simple online form. It's just going to let us know your name, what you've been called to, how we can pray for you. Because as a church, that's what I want to count. I want to count how many people are going and how can we pray for them? How can we cover them? If God said to me, as I think he did, that it doesn't matter how many people come to the church, it matters how many go from the church, that's what we need to focus our attention on.
And so we'll use those, those forms, we'll use those responses so that we can become aware of your calling. And we can use that to pray, particularly prayer cover over you in your mission field. We can commission you and say, go with the Lord's blessing. We can send you out. We might be able to equip you or release you or build you up. Whatever we can do to equip you for the mission field. Because if you spoke tomorrow and said, hey, I've been called to Africa, we would do all those things. Why not if you've been called to St. Mary Cray? Why would we not also pray over you, commission you, endorse you, release you, do everything we can to support you? And so this morning, I know it's been challenging, and I believe in actual fact this month is going to be challenging. God is shifting the heart of people, and maybe shifting the heart of our church, maybe actually awakening us to the heart of the Oak Community Church that he's always wanted to be there. And so there are three simple things. Prayer on Tuesday. Join us in prayer. Be there on the Zoom call. You can be praying you can be silent, you can have the camera off, you can type prayers, you can just be by yourself in your room praying, but you've registered on Zoom so we know, hey look, we're all praying at this time together. There's something about the corporate prayer gathering God wants to do in our church. Prayer, give, give generously, give online, there's a, a click button, you can give online, do it through PayPal. They don't take any commission. We get every single penny that you give into the church and then every single penny is going out to mission work. You can do a backs transfer. It's all there, all the information of how to do that. Pray, give, and let us know if you're going. Fill out that form. Let us know that you are on mission. And over the months and years, we want to see more and more people sent out on mission, near and far. Because when you are called by Jesus, you are called to what matters to Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, I pray for your seal upon this word. I pray, Lord, that you would seal this word in our hearts. Lord, I pray that none of us would be the others. None of us would be the others that Paul spoke about. Those who just care for themselves. But Lord, we would at the very least be those who care who care for the things of our world, who care for the lost, for the broken, for the poor, for the sick, for the uneducated, for the criminal, and for the, the orphan, Lord, that we would care. Lord Jesus, help us to care and help us to put that care into prayer. Lord, may we be generous givers. Oh, generously given into the mission field. And Lord, may we see ourselves as a missionary called to go, commissioned by the church and sent with your blessing. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen.